What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mike and Dave Podcast. And yes, it has only been two days since the last time we dropped an episode, but that's just what we're doing here to kick off the start of the NFL season. Um, If you did not catch the last episode, then make sure to go ahead and listen to that one before you listen to this one because we are splitting up our uh, annual tier list into two episodes just because you know how we are. We're, we're a little bit long-winded, um, and there are a lot, there are 32 teams to talk about. So um, we went ahead and talked about the no shots and long shots in episode 62, so make sure to check that one out already if you haven't. And in this episode, we're going to be getting into the Super Bowl hopefuls, contenders, and favorites, um, so really getting into more of the teams that actually probably have a decent shot or a great shot at winning the Super Bowl this year. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Um, so Mike, who do we have at the bottom of our hopefuls? It's weird to put this team, or it's weird to conceptualize putting this team in hopeful, but Detroit Lions. Yeah. So Jared Goff has been to a Super Bowl. Um had a chance at winning that were it not for Tom Brady, um, a certain goat. But he's kind of like Kirk Cousins to a lesser extent in that, you know, we don't think of him as one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL, appropriately so, but that doesn't make him a bad quarterback. Like you watch his play on the field, and he's not a bad quarterback by any means. So couple golf with uh, their young receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, who has had a fantastic start to his career. Um, you know, uh, nine coming off a rookie season where he recorded 90 catches, and then in his second year, he ups that um, to 106 with over 1,000 yards. Um, one of the better young receivers in the NFL. Um, they also add rookie running back Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, who, you know, had it not for, been for Bijan, he would have been the clear, like best running back of the draft. And many years he just would be anyway. Um, he should figure to to add to their um, to their offense, not just as a runner but as a pass catcher. We also, you know, they lose DeAndre Swift, but they add David Montgomery. Um, so that's a good combination there between him and Gibbs. Also, their offensive line was really good last year. I mean, uh, Vitae at the guard position on the right side, like he missed some time, but pretty much all season, they injuries aside, they were still a top 10 offensive line in the NFL, like all year. And they're bringing back basically everybody. I think in, in fact, all five of their, yeah, all five of their offensive linemen coming back, they're starting offensive linemen. I mean, same guys, same positions. Uh, this may very well end up being a top five or bet or even better offensive line this year. And that uh, that speaks volumes for them going forward. It's great for their two running backs. Um, it's great for the improvement of both Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown, even without uh, TJ Hawkinson. Like we saw them give him up last year and they just spread the ball elsewhere. Like, uh, the Lions aren't the best team in the NFC North. Obviously, we still have one more left to go, if you're keeping track. Um, but 
they do have an outside and they do have an outside shot at making some noise there. I mean, bottom of the hopefuls do with the naming like or take the naming with a grain of salt, but this should be an improved Lions team who might mess around and win their Thanksgiving game for a change. <laughs> and hey, maybe even make a playoff berth. Yeah, I I think it's definitely possible. Their offense was explosive last year. There's no doubt about that. And they've added Jameer Gibbs, like you said. I'm intrigued by Sam Laporta, uh, who they drafted as well, replacing Hawkinson in that offense. I think he could end up having a, a pretty good rookie season as you know rookie tight end seasons go. Like you said, the offensive line is pretty good. Aiden Hutchinson had a standout year last year, and I would imagine will just continue to get better and better over time. So I'm sure they're they're excited to see what he can do here in year number two for him. Um, the rest of their their defense leaves a little bit to be desired. It's definitely going to be one of those situations where the offense, I think, is going to hold up their end of the bargain. But when it comes to the defense, like, that's where they're going to need to see some significant improvement if they want to take that next step. So that's really what I'm looking at. But, you know, Dan Campbell has been doing a great job there. We talk about culture with him a lot, uh, instilling some toughness into them and really kind of changing the way that the Lions franchise is is viewed around the league, I think, and, um, you know, by by fans as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what the Lions do this year. Definitely one of the the teams that are, you know, kind of on the rise after last year, I think surprising a lot of people. So like you said, we had one other NFC North team above the Lions. That's the Minnesota Vikings. And that's who we have next at number 13. So we don't have a big difference between the Vikings or the Lions here. I really do think it could go either way, kind of like we were talking about with the Saints um, and the Falcons with the Buccaneers also in the mix there. So the Vikings... This year, I mean, you you can't really talk about the Vikings without mentioning Justin Jefferson pretty much as as the first thing that you think of. I mean, what a stud this guy is. What a talent he is coming into the the season, potentially as the best receiver in football. I think he's probably earned that, uh, that title after the past couple seasons he's had. You know, Kirk Cousins is going to be looking for him early and often. And that connection has proven to be very, very fruitful over the past few years. I am anticipating that to be the case again this year. Um, No Adam Thielen, but he was kind of already on the other side of, uh, you know, the tail end of his career. So I'm not really too concerned about that. I do think that he provided a lot of good veteran leadership and red zone ability, but Jordan Addison is a great pickup. Um, Obviously, former Blitnikoff Award winner, uh, draft, drafted out of USC. I think he should thrive as that second option. I mean, when you have Justin Jefferson, he's probably getting doubled on on most plays, and that's going to leave a lot of room for Addison to get involved, as well as the aforementioned TJ Hawkinson, who they just gave a big contract to as well. I think just cementing the, the fact that they feel really, really strongly about him after trading for him. So... I'm really looking forward to seeing this offense continue to thrive. You know, Alexander Madison, if you listen to our fantasy football preview, uh, I mentioned him as well as being a guy to look out for. I think he has a lot of ability and will finally have an opportunity to 
you know, fill that feature back role with not really much competition in that running back room. Um, so I, I really think that he could be a, a very valuable and solid three down back for this offense. So yeah, I'm definitely excited about that. Um, and then, you know, defensively, there is a bit more uh, turnover. Um, you know, no Eric Kendricks anymore. Um, Zadarius Smith is gone from last year. They still have Daniel Hunter, who I think is going to be looking for a bounce back type of season. Um, they signed Marcus Davenport. We'll see if he can, you know, kind of live up to his potential um, that he has never really reached since uh, the Saints drafted him in the first round a few years ago. Harrison Smith is still doing his thing. Uh, he's 34 now, but I think he's still going to be a solid player. And they also signed Byron Murphy, who is finally out of the the hellhole that was the Arizona Cardinals defense. I think now that he's going to be in a, in a position, uh, you know, in the Vikings defense, he's going to be able to, you know, the talent is going to make him better. And he's already a pretty decent corner before just put it kind of put in bad situations. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. And overall, you know, the Vikings had a great season last year. I, I'll be the first to tell you that I was surprised by their record. I think they probably didn't deserve all those wins that they got. Um, and, you know, they, they obviously didn't do so great in the playoffs, which was unfortunate, but I am looking forward to them potentially getting another division title this year. Now that the Packers are mostly out of the picture, I think, and the Lions are still kind of unproven, I think the Vikings are slight favorites, uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, between them and the Lions, uh, who who's going to kind of come out on top for the division. Yeah, they, um, they're also playing the NFC South this season. Um, so should have some opportunities to rack up some wins there as well. Um, I mean, you could say the same for the Lions, but you said they're more proven. Yeah. At the end of the day, like I would expect them to just go ahead and win a few more of those 50, 50 games than the lions. Um, and you know, win their division, go to the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the one thing I want to say or add to, like you said, the, you know, Justin Jefferson, best receiver in the NFL. Um, this is maybe just like an early, like mic drop or whatever, but whatever. Um, I'm just going to, now it seems like the right place to say it. Every generation has its like few best players at a position. That's the case for any sport, right? Like for our generation, we can think of like, oh, these are like the three or four best point guards or, you know, uh, pitchers or whatever. Um, we're seeing that new generation of great receivers, specifically with Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Amon Ross St. Brown, just to name a few. I mean, Devontae Smith also looks like he'll be good. But Justin Jefferson, especially, like, he's so good so early in his career. Like, at this is like an unprecedented level of early success um, in a variety of ways. He's got the speed, but he's also got the ability to catch the ball like at the high point and everything. It's wild to say this. I'm not saying he will be, but we might be watching 
the best receiver ever. Like it's, I know I'm like really getting ahead of it. He's, this is like still a young player. He's got like three years, but you know, you never think this is going to be the best player of all time. Like when they're this age, you know, it's just kind of crazy to think like we should really just sit back and enjoy his career because at the end of the, at the end of his career, it might end up being one of the best, if not the best receivers we've seen. So there's my hot take mic drop thing, but Justin Jefferson, and I, I do want to clarify, I'm not saying Justin Jefferson's going to be the best player of all time, but I'm saying watch out because he's so good already. There's not really a reason yet to say that he can't be. And that's wild to find, to like observe that potential this early. It's crazy. It is. And I'm just happy that he's on the Vikings. <laughs> And that I got the number one overall pick in our fantasy draft that we did a few days ago. Yeah. Come on home, baby. And Come on home. And fantasy is not like a perfect science, but like usually the guy going number one is like, you know, there's something to be said about that. And typically speaking, it's a running back. Even in PPR, it's like a running back that uh, gets some catches out of the backfield, like a Christian McCaffrey or an Austin Eckler. But... Justin Jefferson is the guy. You, if you haven't drafted fantasy yet, like, first of all, by the time you hear this, it's too late. Um, second of all, you probably saw Justin Jefferson go number one, unless you were in a league with a buffoon or you were the buffoon that did otherwise. Moving on to the Seahawks, who have a good receiver room there in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and now rookie Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, all being thrown to by Geno Smith. The career renaissance of the decade so far uh, goes to Seattle, and it all comes together beautifully. Uh, so much so that, like, you know, after last year, where we and basically everyone else that talks sports had the Broncos way up here, the Seahawks way down here. Geno Smith undeniably had a better season than Russell Wilson, and it wasn't really close. Uh, he was just better. And he's got these good weapons there. Uh, he's got Kenneth Walker. They drafted Zach Charbonnet uh, to further strengthen that running back room. Um, yeah, this Seahawks team has a legitimate chance. Um, the problem for them, and you mentioned this earlier, is there two, or is that there's the 49ers above them, and obviously we have higher expectations of them, but. Below them in that division, there's the Cardinals, who we had at number 32, and the Rams, who we had at 31. So if they like just don't screw something up, there's four guaranteed wins for them, and four for the 49ers, to be fair. Um, four, four wins there. Uh, let them scrounge together if, like several more from the rest of the regular season. They could be the wild card spot. Yeah, I I definitely think that the AFC is a bit stronger than the NFC is currently, um, at least with how many teams are in contention, I guess, or even in the hopefuls, to be honest. And I think the Seahawks are probably looking at it like the Niners might be tough, the division might be tough, we're going to go for it. But at the very least, I think they should be thinking 
we are making the playoffs this year. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't, to be honest. Like like you mentioned, the schedule is is not too difficult. Um, Geno Smith, as long as he can repeat what, even if he's not quite as good as he was last year, that's still going to be good enough. And as well as, you know, on, on defense, they're bringing back Bobby Wagner. He's still not, and he's not prime Bobby Wagner, but I'm sure they're going to be, they're going to be thrilled to have him back. Um, Reek Wollen had one of the better, uh, rookie seasons of any corner that we've seen in recent years, uh, sauce Gardner aside. Um, so I was, you know, very impressed by him. Um, and then, you know, you also have guys like Jordan Brooks, who's still a really solid player. Um, Jerron Reed, like you, you, you have some guys on this, uh, on this defense who can make things happen. And Pete Carroll is still going strong. However old this, this man is, it seems like he is never going to run out of energy or passion for the game. So shout out to that guy. Uh, but yeah, I think the Seahawks are in a great position to, um, you know, compete for the playoffs this year. And then, you know, who knows what can happen after that. So I think they're, they're a solid choice to come in in the hopefuls. Um, moving on to number 11. So just missing out on the top 10, we have a team that's rapidly on the rise in the Jacksonville Jaguars. It wasn't too long ago that the Jaguars were the laughing stock of the NFL under Urban Meyer. I mean, it's it was bad. Uh, it was embarrassing. It was there was scandal. There were, you know, all these different things that was that were going on. It was it was terrible in Jacksonville. So what do you do? You bring in a Super Bowl winning head coach and Doug Peterson who was able to turn around the ship, kind of put Trevor Lawrence back on the right track and have him live up to his sky-high potential, spend a bunch in free agency on guys that actually are going to make a pretty solid impact, um, you know, production-wise and locker room-wise on your team. And all of a sudden, here you are making the playoffs and uh, looking really, really solid and a team that's definitely on the rise uh, in the AFC. Like, you have to give Doug Peterson a ton of credit, as well as just, you know, all the guys there for this turnaround. You know, I, I can't remember exactly where we had them last year, but rest assured, they were not sniffing the top 10. That's <laughs> for sure. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm really excited to see what they can do. I mean, I already mentioned Trevor Lawrence. I think he could potentially have a massive season this year. Travis Etienne Jr., his college teammate, electric at the running back position. And then, you know, wide receiver-wise, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, really solid receivers. And then, of course, Calvin Ridley is playing again. And there's never been any question about Calvin Ridley's talent or, or ability. He looks, all the reports say that he's, you know, better than ever. Um, that he's ready to go, that all the issues that he was dealing with are behind him. We'll see. Uh, theoretically, he would have learned his lesson, but how many times have we seen people not learn their lesson? Uh, but <laughs> if he is able to stay on the field, he should be a really, really solid weapon for Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, defensively, they have um, enough playmakers back there as well to where I can see them potentially, you know, having a shot 
at the division, um, especially when you have the Texans and the Colts down there in the no shots, and then the, the Titans at the bottom of the long shots. Like we're really making a statement here that we we think that the Jaguars should run away with a division. Yeah, it, to be fair, that's a statement I feel pretty good about. Um, yeah, they also, you mentioned Travis Etienne, love that. Uh, they also added Tank, they also drafted Tank Bigsby uh, to be his backup running back out of Auburn. Um, shouldn't interfere too terribly much with Etienne's production, given that they play different roles there at that running back spot, but Tank Bigsby should be a welcome addition. Um, and the main loss that I want to point out is Jawan Taylor. Um, obviously, he was their best offensive lineman last year, and he is left. He has left for Kansas City Chiefs, who you know obviously we have yet to talk about. Um, he's being replaced by rookie Anton Harrison. We'll see how that goes. Um, the main problem with the Jags' offensive line. They were good in pass protection last year and horrendous <laughs> in run protection. Um, I don't know enough about schemes to speak to why exactly that happens, but I know it was the case. And that's not great uh, for the Jags. Uh, but yeah, all signs would point to a dramatic increase in production from Trevor Lawrence this year. Um, I would expect him to take that next big step up. Um, who knows? He could be fighting for MVP in the next few years. A uh, few years. and say this year. But hey, it's possible, right? Um, but yeah, just outside the top 10 seems right, um, especially given the division they're playing in. Um, going up to number 10, we've got the Baltimore Ravens. Um who will hopefully for them have Lamar Jackson all year this time um, and not have him watching from the sideline. Um, can he come back to MVP form? Uh, that we'll see. Uh, you mentioned on the last episode when we talked about the Bears, um, this in the context of Roquan Smith leaving the Bears, but now we'll bring it up again. He's um, on the Ravens. That's huge for them. Um, they also have the goat in Justin Tucker uh, to save them from 60 plus yards out whenever they need it. Sorry, Lions. Um, but the Ravens are one of those teams. We kind of talked about this a little bit with the Browns, but we need to see it happen. Like we, we went ahead and put them at 10 because they have obvious talent across their roster. We know that on paper this team is built to be a championship contender, but we need to see that actually play out on the field. We need to see them make a deep playoff run. We need to see it all come together. Yeah, they've also lost a lot of their production on the defensive line, and they're relying on young players, which doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to see that production because it's the Ravens and they develop talent, you know, arguably as well as anyone. Um, David Ojabo 
is in what is basically his rookie season this year. Um, Owe as well. Um, Patrick Queen needs to improve. He has not had as good of a start to his career as you would have potentially expected coming out of LSU. Uh, so, yeah, that's tough. But like you said, Roquan Smith, he covers up a lot of holes, to be honest. Marlon Humphrey is a great, great corner. Um, you know, Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, decent at safety. So, yeah, I mean, I think that they they have enough on defense to get by. We didn't even mention um, their kind of rehauled receiver room. Odell is obviously there. We'll see what we get from him, but we know he has the talent, even though he's now on the other side of 30. Um, Rashad Bateman, always injured, but again, talented. Um, Zay Flowers, very intriguing rookie. I think if the Ravens actually do what they are saying that they're going to do and pass the ball more, he could get some decent opportunities. And of course, Mark Andrews, one of the better you know, definitely a top five tight end in the league, uh, especially receiving wise. So, but again, it all comes down to Lamar Jackson. Like when he was injured last year, it didn't really matter who else they had because Tyler Huntley, Anthony Brown, like they were not getting it done. And even though Tyler Huntley was a pro bowler last year, because the pro bowl system is stupid. um, (laughs) Yeah, it was just not, it was, it was not happening without Lamar. So he got his money. So that's that's all figured out, and now hopefully, for for them, they can go ahead and and progress and make you know make it back to the postseason and you know make some noise because I think for the Ravens, even though we have them in the hopefuls at number ten, they're probably thinking of themselves a bit more like contenders, uh, and I can see the reasoning, but like Mike said, I think we need to see it first. So. <laughs> Speaking of a team where I think we need to see it first, um, and maybe they're honestly too high on this list for me, but here we are. We have the New York Jets at number nine, which seems almost fake until you remember what's happened this past offseason, which is, it's definitely been, you, you can't say that the NFL doesn't have drama. And you can't say that the NFL is not, um, you know, an intriguing watch both off the field as well as on the field. Because, of course, hard knocks, Aaron Rodgers, uh, there's just, there's a lot going on with the Jets right now. And we'll see if he can pull a Tom Brady and really elevate the rest of the roster up to his, you know, his ability and make a run to the Super Bowl. Personally, I'm a little bit more skeptical than I was about Brady joining the Buccaneers, but I I can see it happening. I can see, you know, the Jets or why the Jets are feeling so good about, you know, their chances this year. But again, that division though, the Bills, the Dolphins, it's going to be really tough, I think, for the Jets to to be able to win the division with those two potential heavyweights in there too. So, I think at best you're looking at a wild card spot, but they definitely have the talent and they have really really key pieces across the roster. Uh, not to mention a coach and Robert Sala that I I think is 
uh, you know, a really solid coach for him. So we'll see. Uh, but I don't want to get on the hype train too much, but I also don't want to be left behind. So there they are in the hopefuls. <laughs> yeah, I feel like hopefuls is the right spot there. You know, like if they if they capitalize on all on everything that they have going for them and the hype is accurate, then we're like, eh, we said that they had a shot at it and we were right, right? And then if they don't, then we're like, eh, we, we said it was hopeful. We didn't say that they were like favorites or anything. You know, it's kind of like the, the safety spot for this uh, team that has to prove it. Um, like the Browns, a lot of talent on the roster that as I'm seeing it, I mean, I, I love Garrett Wilson as a weapon for Aaron Rodgers there. Um, and his buddies, Alan Lazar and Randall Cobb. Um, we meant, we talked about this on episode 61, but Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. I mean, while it's not great for your fantasy team, it is great for the Jets. Um, this is a team that won seven games last year. And that's with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be a night and day improvement. I, even even with Aaron Rodgers coming off of a bad year for him, a bad year for him is better than Zach Wilson's good year. And if that's just a an aberration of a season for Aaron Rodgers, he turns around and has a good year here. Like I I'm expecting like 10 wins there. Um if that's the case. Then like I mean, just to go ahead and go to the next team, our next team up is the Dolphins uh, in that same division. So the Dolphins and Jets could come down to, and I mean, just to spoil, not to say where we have the Bills, but that means we haven't mentioned the Bills yet. We expect the Bills to win that division and then the Dolphins and Jets to try to compete for one of the wild card spots. But these are both two teams that we have in the top 10, both of whom we think have the potential to win plenty of games in the regular season and then potentially make noise in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the Jets do have the problem of having not that great of an offensive line. <clears throat> Mikai Becton having not played much in his three years. Uh, he missed all of last season. Um, and it's in addition to it being hard to get individual experience when you're not on the field. It's hard to build that chemistry. That's so important on the offensive line when you're not playing. I mean, look at the Eagles and how they do well every year, Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey, just to name two have been playing together for what seems like ever. Um, then you just come back to the jets and there's no synergy there, uh, except for Dwayne Brown, who's like 50 years old. Um, he's actually like 37. But <clears throat> yeah, that's basically fifty in football years. Yeah, so so there are some question marks for sure, um, but there are also some uh, some signs of intrigue. I think um, pieces that make you go, hmm, scratch your head. Maybe this team could put it together and win. Like you said <clears throat> about the Bucks, the Bucks were more solid more convincing easier to see them just going ahead with the addition of brady and getting right there but that doesn't mean the jets can't do it so um 
then we mentioned the Dolphins right above them. Uh, can Tua fall correctly on the ground? Um, he's been training with a... Is it jujitsu? The It's some specialist, uh, some martial artist. He's been training with literally to learn how to fall correctly. That sounds like a joke. It's not. <laughs> uh, and while that's cool and all, it really does highlight. like it, This is so much of a problem that he's like going like seeking outside help to learn how to do something that infants do uh so as to avoid hitting his head and being unable to play that might be the biggest thing holding them back right now though um i mean i'm looking at their roster and holy cow weapons i mean tyreek hill and jalen waddle um (laughs) what a terrifying receiver duo speaking of duos you know Obviously, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. You also have Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. When Ramsey comes back, uh, should miss like a few weeks, a month, somewhere in there. When he comes back, that's going to be a dangerous duo on the defensive side as well. Their offensive line, decent. Um, Teron, Armst- Teron Armstead, a uh, solid left tackle there. Um, I think last year we saw... The Dolphins make a lot of noise early and should everyone stay healthy or in the case of like Jalen Ramsey, get healthy. This is definitely a team that could put together a bunch of wins. I mean, having Waddle and Hill mean that they're going to catch some teams off guard anyway uh, because that they're, they're just huge plays waiting to happen. Uh, the potential that not many other teams have in that like high of a degree. Uh, so the Dolphins should mess around and win plenty of games outside their division in addition to inside of it. Um, but yeah, that division is going to be a little bit tough, though. Like I mentioned with the Jets, it's the two of them and the Bills. And the Patriots, like we had the Patriots as a no shot, but it's still a Bill Belichick team that could could win any given week, theoretically. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so we have the Dolphins one place above the Jets. And realistically, I think that's for one one reason. The Dolphins have Mike White now, which means they've got to be the you know better than the Jets because you know Mike White's the best quarterback in football, pretty much. Um, no, I'm kidding. But I think the Dolphins definitely have a stronger roster. Not to mention Mike McDaniel has done a phenomenal job at head coach there. Um, Everybody seems to love him. I think he's done a great job with Tua. And defensively speaking, I know that they have Xavier Howard and, and Ramsey, and they kind of get a lot of the headlines. But Javon Holland at, at safety, really, really great young player. He's only 23 years old. I think he's got a really bright future ahead of him. He's already really talented. Jalen Phillips, unfortunately, um, has been doing really well for them. Uh, pass rushing wise, I think he's... He also has a bright future. Um, and then, you know, they still have Bradley Chubb. Christian Wilkins is a beast at defensive tackle. Um, Emmanuel Agbas still is a reliable veteran. I mean, they've got a really, you know, at all three levels of the defense, they've got star players and guys who can make an impact, which, you know, there's obviously something to be said for that. And then at running back, I mean, Jeff Wilson Jr. is on the IR, which is tough. But... Raheem Mostert, he's injury prone for sure, 
but when he's healthy, he is he is electric. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do because um, theoretically there should be a lot of room to run. If you've got if you're trying to to defend Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, like there's going to be space, um, you know, up up close to the line. Like you've got to have safeties back to cover. So we'll see if Moser can take advantage of that. But Again, it comes down to Tua staying healthy because I think if he can, this the system and his weapons are um, ideal for a quarterback like him to play as that point guard and distribute the ball to his playmakers. But obviously he has to be on the field. So hopefully we don't see any more concussions for him because that honestly could be the end of his NFL career, which would really be unfortunate. So um, that's the Dolphins. And now we're getting into the last of our hopefuls before we move into contenders and favorites. And maybe this team should be in the contenders instead of the hopefuls. We ended up just erring on the side of hopeful, but I wouldn't, you know, say anything if you wanted to put them into the contenders. And that's the Dallas Cowboys. I think we, whatever we have for the Falcons in terms of homerism, we have anti-homerism when it comes to the Cowboys. We're not quite Stephen A level, but <laughs> we're not we're not big believers or fans uh in any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, it's probably maybe they should be contender, but for us they're just gonna be a hopeful. But they've got a lot to be excited about, to be honest. I mean, Dak Prescott is back. I don't think he's an elite quarterback, but don't get me wrong. He's definitely a top 10 quarterback and definitely a guy who is going to be able to make winning plays and keep them in games. Um, CD lamb, you were mentioning some of the exciting young receivers in the NFL, you know, earlier. I think CD lamb definitely fits into that mold. Um, after the catch is really solid. Brandon cooks onto a new team. And I wouldn't be surprised if he got a thousand yards again with this new team, because, they're going to throw a lot, I think, and Cooks is still a guy who can get open and I think is eager to prove that he has what it takes after being stuck on the Texans for the past couple of years. Um, Tony Pollard, electric running back. He's going to have the chance to you know, be the number one now that Zeke's gone. Big shoes to fill in Dallas for sure, but last year I think he proved that he has the talent to do so. So definitely some electric playmakers for Dak to work with. We already know about their offensive line, that they're pretty solid, um, borderline great, depending on which player you're talking about. Obviously, Zach Martin is the headliner there. And then defensively, Demarcus Lawrence doesn't get talked about as much as some other pass rushers, but I mean, he's a game wrecker. Um, and then talking about game wreckers, <laughs> Micah Parsons, my goodness. Uh, well, we'll see what, what he has as an encore for his past couple of years, just going absolutely ballistic. And we'll see how they they use him if they do end up using him way more as a pass rusher, if they continue to kind of split his time um, between, you know, dropping into coverage or rushing the passer. But it's just tough because I don't want the Cowboys to do well, but the more that I talk about it, the more I'm like looking at what players they've got. I'm like, they they actually are probably going to be pretty good. I mean, Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore, that's a great cornerback partnership. We were just talking about the Dolphins. Yeah. I mean, this is right up there with them, to be honest. Uh, so 
yeah, I think they they have a, a great chance of, I mean, not only just making the playoffs, but potentially making some noise. Like I said, the NFC, it's not quite as tough as the AFC this year, I don't think, and the Cowboys should be right in and amongst it. Yeah, I mean, Tony Pollard was great, has been great when he's been allowed to touch the ball, and now he's the feature back, so you got to love that. Um, Tyron Smith coming back from injury. Uh, you mentioned key members of their defense. Also, Leighton Vander Esch is also like always solid. Um, yeah, we have a listener that's a big Cowboys fan. Shout out to you. Um, we appreciate the listening. Um, you already know we have that conflict, though, where we can't just root for the Cowboys. Um, yeah, another situation where like this team always seems like it should be good, but they always find a way, you know, uh, to not end up fulfilling. They haven't won a Super Bowl since '96, like, and it's there have been plenty of seasons that we've gone into, not just like on this podcast, but in America, where we're like, okay, might this be the Cowboys' year? And then the answer is always no. So, another prove it team for sure. Um, but certainly one with the pieces to make a run. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Micah Parsons. Like, what a beast. Um, and, yeah, I did get a laugh when you said uh, Demarcus Lawrence doesn't get talked about enough. I'm like, yeah, right, because he's overshadowed on his own team by Micah Parsons now. <laughs> but, yeah, like having both of them on that defensive line, crazy. Um, nonetheless, we did limit our favorites and contenders to a total of six teams. The Cowboys did just get edged there. Um, so they are at the top of our hopefuls. And that brings us to the bottom of our contenders. And this is going to be a little repeat, but I was talking about the Cowboys having high expectations and then not fulfilling. So speaking of, here are the Chargers at number six, um, who always find a way to Charger, um, a.k.a. lose. Games that they should win, games that they've been winning. Just Otherwise, just give it away. Um, get injured. Injure their own players via medical staff. Well, like, the Chargers have just kind of been like the... Uh, the Murphy's law of the NFL, except you expect things to go well. And then they just happen to go wrong anyway. Um, that aside, like they have an incredibly talented roster. Should it stay healthy? Um, Justin Herbert ever on the Ascension, um, Austin Eckler, uh, in his contract year, um, which hits a little differently for running backs now, but you know, um, Then you got um, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, We already know they are dangerous as a receiver duo. Um, They drafted Quinnen Johnson. We'll see how much production they actually look to him for in his rookie year. But um, then going on to the defense, you mentioned the Vikings losing Eric Kendricks. This is where he ended up um, to join... uh, Big players like Joey Bosa, like Khalil Mack, like your guy, Derwin James. In corners in J.C. Jackson and Asante Samuel Jr. Like, there's talent everywhere on this roster. Um, no one is questioning that. 
what we're questioning is, will this be the year that it actually works out? I mean, they even have what should be a top or an offensive line in the top half of the league. Like there's not exactly a glaring weakness to me on this team other than their own like habits. Can they break those habits? That's the question. Yeah. I think with the chargers and the Cowboys, it really is like kind of a coin flip for them. It's just kind of the chargers are just kind of the AFC version of the Cowboys and vice versa. Um, yeah, I mean, you you covered most of the the good points there. They've got all the talent to be, you know, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. You know, I I think maybe they're a a, a tick behind some of these other teams that we have right ahead of them, but they're not far off, and they have enough players who are in their primes or nearing their primes to where they could make that next step and get to that same level. Uh, Justin Herbert kind of being the the foremost one of that. And I think really that's the difference between the Chargers and the Cowboys for me. I just trust Herbert more than I trust Dak. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, so yeah, it it's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting season in the AFC. That's all I'm gonna say, because yeah. it's gonna be a bloodbath to try to get into the, you know, get one of those playoff spots with all of the the really talented teams. So Definitely going to be one to look out for. Um, you know, Chargers Chiefs is always a, a great game, so I'm looking forward to that again this year too. But moving on to number five, and this is where we find the the last big heavyweight of the AFC East, and that's the Buffalo Bills. So maybe a little bit lower than some people would have them, um, but I think that they they need to answer some questions as well. Uh, they haven't been able to get it done either even though they've kind of been right in and amongst it for the past few seasons, obviously starts with Josh Allen, uh, great leader, potentially the best arm in the NFL, um, always willing to, you know, sacrifice his body for the team. His, his teammates love him. His city loves him. Like it's definitely a, a love affair going on with Josh Allen in Buffalo. But beyond that, I mean, James Cook is going to be potentially the the lead running back for them. He's got great talent. Um, I think he's kind of been living in the shadow of his brother for a little while, but he's going to have the opportunity to to shine. I think it's always tough to tell with the Bills and their running backs because they never <laughs> they never want to just give one guy most of the work. But it looks like he's in the front runner, you know, seat for that. So we'll see. Um, they did sign Latavius Murray, so I wouldn't be surprised if Murray and Damian Harris also get a lot of work and then it's just a committee again. Um, avoid for fantasy, uh, uh-huh. if you haven't drafted yet. Um, that weird thing with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen in the preseason, it seems to be over and done with now. So whatever that was, I think they've resolved their differences. That should once again be one of the most productive quarterback wide receiver combinations in the league. Um, you know, offensive line is still going to be great as as usual. Defensively, they're going to be really solid as per usual. They're going to get Tredavious White back and potentially, you know, back to full health. So that's going to be a, a tremendous boon for their secondary to go along with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer is going to be, I mean, that's going to be 
pretty tough for opposing offenses. Uh, not to mention Von Miller. Obviously, he's going to be injured for the first part of the season, but when he comes back, that's going to be a, a a really you know big jolt in the arm for them. Matt Milano, what a what a beast that guy is. He just continues to get better and better. I learned um, that he is somehow a vegan, and yet he looks like that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> respect um but yeah i the bills they've got the pieces sean mcdermott's a great coach um one of these years they're just gonna have to get over the hump and they're gonna have to beat mahomes or they're gonna have to beat joe burrow um and and you know make it to the big game but they definitely have the potential and i think are a very worthy top five team and super bowl contender yeah you definitely uh, talked about all the pieces that I would talk about. Um, yeah, at a certain level, like with all the other teams, we've kind of had a weakness to point to or a tendency to point to. And with the Bills, that's not so much the case. It's just the existence of teams that have done better <laughs> and that we expect to be better. Uh, you notice those two teams Dave just pointed out have not been listed on our tier list yet. Um, so the issue for the Bills isn't like fixing this problem or that issue or filling this void, whatever. It's literally just winning these games. Winning, yeah. It's literally just winning these games um, against teams that we kind of expect to be better, which is tough for them, but that's sort of their reality at this point. They've got a great team. It's just sort of time for them to take that final step and do it. So that's one of the, um, to me, that's going to be one of the points of intrigue for this season is like, we know the Bills have the talent. We know that they've come close before. Will they actually do it this year? Um, next up, we have the 49ers. Starring quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, <laughs> Brock Purdy, my man. They gave up on Trey Lance. What a fun trade to see. Um, sending him on to Dallas for a future, uh, was it a fourth round pick for the guy that they drafted in the top five? Things you love to see. Um, all that aside, uh, we know how good the 49ers are. We know that they have an elite running back in Christian McCaffrey. We know that they have an elite fullback in Kyle Juszczyk. We know that they have an elite offensive weapon in Debo Samuel. We know they have an elite tight end in George Kittle. We know that they have an elite defense. Like, uh, we know that they the have best an elite tackle in football. Yeah, it, uh, Trent Williams would have beast himself. We know that they have an elite kicker in my man Jake Moody, the Michigan Goat. Okay, um, on their defense, they've got plenty of weapons like the even better Bosa, uh, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. Like, we know these menaces that they have. Um, and this, like, they do have one better NFC team to deal with, um, that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, but this is a team loaded with potential as well. Like we're real, we're in the top five now. Obviously these are teams that like, to some degree or another, we really believe in, we think have a legitimate shot at it. Yeah. And obviously I hope Purdy is going to be 
you know, fully healthy and, and ready and, and stay healthy. But like the 49ers have shown throughout the past few years that it almost doesn't even matter as much who's at quarterback because the rest of their roster is so stacked. Like Jim, they got to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, um, so obviously Purdy is a great story. You mentioned, you know, pretty much all, all of the, the great guys. I will mention Javon Hargrave, um, big free agent signing for them at D tackle. Amazing for the Eagles last year. Uh, and the previous year as well. I mean, that defensive line is going to be absolutely ridiculous. Like having to block him and Joey Bosa is going to be real tough. Um, Eric Armstead is still a baller. Like you mentioned, Trey or Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, probably the best linebacker duo in football. And then Talanoa Hufanga kind of out of nowhere ended up having a pro bowler season for them. Um, and you know, ball Hawk game changer. So they really are up there. Uh, and if they're able to make the last pick in the draft look like a star and that's no shade to Purdy at all, it's just true. Then like you, you got to feel good about their chances this year. So yeah, they're the second highest NFC team on our list, which basically means we're kind of expecting them to see in the NFC championship game. So we'll see if that ends up working out, but that's where they're at. So finally, the last contender, or the highest contender, I should say. This was a tough one, but we do have the Cincinnati Bengals coming in at number three. Obviously, there's still some concern about uh, Joe Burrow's injury. Um, I think that they will be fine, though. Like, I'm not... um, I think he'll be fine to start the season. And even if it's a little bit slower start, I'm not going to be extremely concerned because they are such a a good team. Um, They've been so close to getting that elusive Super Bowl. We've talked a lot about how much we love Joe Burrow. Uh, I think he, he will get a Super Bowl in his career. I wouldn't be surprised if it's this year. I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, in the next couple of years because he is that guy and he's got the weapons and, uh, you know, the defensive pieces, I think, to to be able to win the Super Bowl and, and go all the way. Um, you know, you have to give some credit to Zach Taylor as well. One of those Sean McVay disciples that, like, some of those other guys did not work out. <laughs> uh, and it looked like Zach Taylor was not going to work out for him either at first. But... And obviously, you know, they've turned it around. They've made really smart free agent decisions. They've drafted pretty well. Um, and, you know, they're, they're missing out on Jesse Bates. Obviously signed with the Falcons. Dax Hill is going to slide into that spot. Not a terrible replacement, although also not Jesse Bates. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, what more can I say other than Orlando Brown Jr.? that they're finally addressing that offensive line um, and not to mention taking him away from their biggest rival in the chiefs. That's a pretty big deal. Obviously the chiefs have made other, you know, signings on the, on the offensive line as well, which we'll get to, but that's a really big deal. I think for the Bengals. So 
I'm excited to see if the the Bengals can finally get over the hump this year. I mean, it is a tough division, like I said, with the Ravens, the Browns, the Steelers. None of them are pushovers. This is not like the 49ers defense that we were or 49ers division that we were just talking about, where we have you have two cupcakes at the bottom, ready to be squished. Um, it, it's going to be tough, but I think the Bengals are battle tested enough at this point to where they should expecting they should be expecting to win a Super Bowl, and I I would not be surprised to see it happen. Yeah, um, we've talked plenty of times about how much we like Joe Burrow. Um, a for the swagger, but B because he's a baller. Um, he certainly has the potential to make it happen, especially with these weapons around him. Man, uh, Joe Mixon. Legal issues aside, uh, then we we're talking about Boo. receivers earlier. Yeah, we we're talking about receivers earlier. Jamar Chase being one of those elite ones. Like, were it not for Justin Jefferson, we'd be looking at Jamar Chase as potentially the best receiver in the NFL. Um, T. Higgins, Tyler Board, Board, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, good complementary receivers there as well. Um, but yeah, that addition of Orlando Brown is just fantastic. I mean, start his career with divisional rival Ravens. He was great there. Leaves, fixes Kansas City's offensive line a bit. They win a Super Bowl. He comes back. Uh, they get to move Jonah Williams over to the right side. Uh, Jonah Williams was having a little bit of trouble last year on that left side of the line, so they addressed that need. But he's still got plenty of potential. Maybe going to the right is what's best for him. Hopefully. Um, and then pieces on that defense, like you mentioned, like Dax Hill uh, sliding in uh, Trey Hendrickson uh, should be good on the defensive line as he has been. Um, Evan McPherson props to the kicker, you know? Um, but yeah, number three, they're not the favorite to come out of the AFC because of an obvious team. Uh, the elephant in the room here, uh, but they are next up in our, our expectations. And if it's between them and the other team, I'd prefer the Bengals. Uh, so that you know where my uh, my cheering is going. Your loyal, you know where your your loyalties lie. Yeah, undeniably there. Um, in this AFC battle, just to be clear. Um, but yeah, that is going to bring us to favorites. And it's at this point that I'll say, like, we've had a rule when we've done our tier lists, and we've mentioned this rule before. You go to the Super Bowl, you don't really change anything. You get the right to be considered a favorite the next year, right? In steps the Eagles at number two. And I guess just to address it, the Chiefs at number one. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Uh, they still look good. Great. They have Patrick Mahomes, who might be the most talented human to ever touch a football. Like, yeah, <laughs> they get to be number one. But looking at the Eagles, uh, I'm going to start with their offensive line. I mentioned that earlier. This should very well be one of the best, if not the best offensive lines in football, as it has been for a while. Uh Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, of course. Uh, also, um, 
Mike and Dave podcast NFL street draft uh, return Jordan Mailata on that left side. Um, yeah, this is a unit up there. And they lose Miles Sanders and are able to replace him with DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. Not to mention they still have Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell. Um, they have a one-two punch at receiver of Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, uh, which is a phenomenal combination to have to throw to. If you're Jalen Hurts, who is a beast, um, like MVP threat, um, dual quarterback type, can kill you on the ground, can kill you uh, in the air. Like, he gets it done. Uh, he doesn't have the clear arm talent of like a, a Justin Herbert or a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. And he's not the elite speedster that Lamar Jackson is, but he's a winner and he gets it done. You know, um, it's, he's that kind of player. And while he's not amazing in those departments, he's good at them. Uh, great at running. Uh, like this is a team that's built to go ahead and win. They got to the Super Bowl. They don't really lose anything. Uh, like, why not come back? We talked about the AFC being uh, the scarier division this year, and that's not exactly a hindrance to the NFC Eagles. You know, um, like honestly, what's stopping them from going back? Short of the 49ers, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot saying in their way, I don't think. Um, you know, Travis Travis Kelsey versus Jason Kelsey was was great to watch in the Super Bowl last year. And potentially we might see a rematch of that this year because both of them are coming back. Um, they did lose Javon Hargrave, like I mentioned, to the 49ers, which is tough because, like we just said, the Niners are kind of their biggest rival potentially to get to the Super Bowl. Um, Fletcher Cox is not the same player that he once was. They're really going to hope that Jalen Carter can come in and have a really big impact. And, you know, along with Jordan Davis, I mean, we already have covered extensively and you've probably seen extensive coverage of the fact that the Eagles basically draft two or three Georgia players, every single draft at this point. Um, but they have young players. We just need to see them come through and, and, you know, prove themselves. Brandon Graham's still there doing his thing. Um, they have some new linebackers. Uh, so we'll see, you know, how well they do, but Nolan Smith, Another one of those Georgia players who I think can make it a good impact right off the jump. Hassan Reddick, one of the better pass rushers last year. I think he actually led the league in sacks, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then they returning the cornerback duo, Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Forgive James Bradbury for that one bad play. Whatever, he was still really, really good last year. So, yeah, I think the Eagles have to be the favorites in the NFC. Just like the Chiefs have to be the favorites and the AFC, and honestly, the entire league, because they won it last year, and like you said, they haven't really lost a whole lot. Um, not to mention, we at this point, it's kind of like clockwork. Oh, another year goes by, that means the Chiefs are going to be playing in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> like, pretty much every single year, they're in the AFC Championship game. Um, so forget, you know, some of these teams we're talking about, will they make, will they win their division? Will they make a wild card? Whatever. 
for the Chiefs, it's almost like they're guaranteed to make it to the semifinals. So, of course, they have to be up there in the top four at the very least. And honestly, with Mahomes, with Travis Kelsey, um, it's it's tough to see them not coming back. The only question mark that they have right now is Chris Jones, who, as of recording, has still not returned to camp. And we're not sure exactly what the situation is going to be, if he's actually going to hold out and miss, you know, some a few games during the regular season. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs are going to probably win the division again anyway, or at least make the playoffs. And as long as they can get him back, even if they miss, even if he misses a few games to start, they really need him for the playoffs specifically. But he means a lot to their defense. I mean, he's basically like as important to their defense as Travis Kelsey is to their offense. So they they really need him. They need to figure that out. But as long as as they do, then I think that they should be okay and you know kind of continue their dominance and i think if they get another one they're probably a dynasty in a way um but yeah at the end of the day it comes down to mahomes and andy reed and travis kelsey and you know those three guys along with chris jones if he can come back um you know that's as good of a coach quarterback offensive weapon defensive stalwart that you're going to get in the NFL and there's no reason why they shouldn't be the favorites to win it all again this year. Yeah. I mean, are there teams with better running back rooms? Yeah. No shit. Are there better receiving rooms? Yeah. Are there better quarterbacks to throw to them? (laughs) Not really. Um, Are there better coaches? Uh, Unclear. Um, are Probably there, not. Yeah, like honestly, like at this point, who better? You know. Um, and are there better offensive lines than theirs? Not many, if any. I mean, we mentioned Orlando Brown leaving to go to the Bengals, um, which is, by the way, it's funny. Like a few years ago, when uh, the Bucks beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, it was like, oh my gosh, this offensive line is horrendous. Well, they really fixed that issue. Which, by the way, if you're a professional sports team, that's what you do. You you isolate, you identify your weakness, you fix it. The Chiefs thought that their offensive line was bad, and they fixed it. Look, they lose Orlando Brown now, and they replace him with Donovan Smith from the Bucks. I'll grant, like, he's coming off what's got to be his worst year. But, like, still, like, even in his worst year, like, that's he can certainly bounce back from that and have a good year on this team. Um, they're also adding Jawan Taylor on the right side. Um, not to mention Creed Humphrey at center was fantastic last year. Like so, they're they're going to play Jawan Taylor on the left and Donovan Smith on the right. Oh, uh, okay, got it. Which is like which is a bit of a question mark because Jawan Taylor has not played on the left side before, so it's you know. But at this point, who are we to doubt the Chiefs? <laughs> sure. Yeah, so their offensive line should be fine, you know. Um, at the end of the day, like this is the defending champion team with the best player in football, um, with the best coach, the best tight end, um, 
and all the momentum. Like, are we saying that they are absolutely going to win the Super Bowl because of all this? No, repeating Super Bowl victories is really, really hard to do. But at this time, for the purpose of our tier list, they deserve to be the number one team on here. Well, if you're good with numbers, you know that going from 32 to 1, and we just talked about 1, that means we're done. Uh, We've gone through every team. Uh, So this is going to wrap up our 2023 preseason NFL tier list. We'll see how this shapes up over the course of the season. You know, at the end of the season, we'll come back to this and see, like, oh, how did all this shape out? But let us know your thoughts. Uh, Did we rank a team way too high or way too low? Um, Did your favorite team not end up where you thought? Um, At the very least, maybe we could answer questions as to why we put them there. But let us know all of that on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave Pod. If you haven't already, leave us that five-star review on Spotify or Apple or Google Podcasts or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to us. Yeah, thank you for listening to our preview. Um, and we're looking forward to this NFL season kicking off and hopefully, you know, having a, another great competitive Uh, NFL season. As always, this has been Mike. This has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast.